With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot bike with Honey Withrow underway. The Tuesday edition has arrived. John McClain will join us coming up later in the show, plus Mary Catherine Ham. Getting hammered, the podcast there. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Thrilled to be joined by both John McClain and Mary Catherine Ham on right. today's show. Getting after it. That, that's a- no relation to John Ham. Oh, Only sure? one M oh, on, that's right, on yeah. Mary Catherine's name. John Ham has two M's. Who do you think came up with the idea that you have to have the, the two M's, not the one? That's a great question. I, I often sit first? around and think about the names and how they came about, right? Like we right. know some of them, it was like your profession. Right, they had something to do with what you did, like carpenters. Right, uh, that you could be, you know, carpenters your last name. But yeah, but just when did the like Nebuchadnezzar go out of style? Yeah, probably about a generation after Nebuchadnezzar was around. Cool, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's Chad, Chad or Nebuchadnezzar? Which would you rather have? I mean, at least with Nebuchadnezzar, you could shorten it and go by like Neb or Nebby. Yeah, knee. Chad, you can't even you can't even shorten. That's, that's yeah. the rough part about it. Uh, I, I hated my name so much that I Chaw. told girls in high school my name was Chadwick. And then I, I like I to that. shorten and go by Chad. I still call you that. Some people would call me Wick. Just go with the, the last part or of Chadillac. it. Or Chadillac. Chadillac, John McClain's preferred name for me. I love that too. I've gone by many names, Hutton. Many names over the years. Cam Newton has many names. Uh, but it's Cam with one M, not two. Can't shorten that one either. And uh, yeah, we're certainly uh, ready to go with the show. And he was ready to throw down. Uh, at the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament uh, in Atlanta over the weekend. It certainly turned heads uh, with uh, the way that he reacted to a member of the top-shelf performance team uh, who apparently tried to get a cheap, sh- cheap shot in. It didn't work as he was taking on multiple men uh, in his hocus-pocus hat and all. Yeah. Um, it was Will Compton mm-hmm. who pointed out, it's like, man, it, he is the one guy who will not take off the hat on the roller coaster. You can't even get it off uh, in, in the fight here. Uh, with Cam Newton. Uh, and I, I think it's, I mean, multiple things that come to mind here, Chad. Yeah. Multiple things. Number one, the seven-on-seven seven tournament. Well, You're doing this at the camp. Yeah, but also the, the guy in the white shirt that comes up with the sucker kidney punch right. in the end. The best part of it is where and, he flings the guy out from underneath the tent and then just starts ragdolling another guy. But then the dude that comes in at the end, well, he throws a punch. It looks like he hits his buddy. I feel like he's they he's against Cam, but. but he throws the punch and actually ends up hitting his friend. Yeah, and they've been talking trash leading up to this, of course. Uh, and that team, by the way, that went after Cam ended up winning the tournament. And then after the tournament, said they're capable of, quote-unquote, standing on business if things get chippy, just like Newton. Uh, so Newton responded in comment and said, love, in all caps. Uh, yeah, um, and they also spoke with TMZ, the two guys involved in the fight, and said that, Cam Newton was chirping him from the start of. He said he got out of his car, and he kept the whole weekend saying, what are we betting? Totally believable, by the way. And he says, I'm not going to bet you. And he says, I got enough money to lose. I'll bet you whatever you want. And it was just a nonstop buildup to this physical altercation. 
Then the, the nonstop reaction, you have Shannon Sharp and uh, Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson on the Nightcap podcast, which is uh, getting great reviews. Yeah, they're crushing it. And uh, that their reaction was, how dare you disrespect Cam Newton when other quarterbacks, some of the greatest, you wouldn't dare disrespect? I show, you know what? I tell you what you've never seen. Peyton and Eli been having a camp for 20-something years. You yeah. ain't never seen no kids be disrespectful to Peyton and Eli. No. Tell, me the, tell me the footage. Tell me the footage that you've seen out there. Show it to me. Mm-hmm. What Peyton or Eli asked these kids, or the Drew Brees, because a lot of times they take up a, a, a lot of these pro quarterbacks and sometimes upper-level college quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Show me the footage. It's mm-hmm. us because we think it's cute. I show, hey, man, I went out there. Man, I told Cal to shut up. I told him he was trash. I told him he was garbage. Y'all think that's cute. It's yeah. not. It's not. And you wonder why. I don't. I've been stopped wondering. Right. It's, guys- it, it, it's, it, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really embarrassing that somebody take time out of their day, out of yeah. their schedule, out of their life, and try to give back. And you disrespectful, ungrateful, man. Cam, Cam, like I told you, Cam, way better than me. Yeah. Because I didn't have, I don't have patience for my own kids to be disrespectful. I'd be damned if I'm gonna let somebody else's kid disrespect me, and I'm taking time out of my. Those are my blood. Right. I got an obligation when they're coming up, but I had an obligation to tell them what's right and wrong. Right. right. And it's always gonna be yes, sir, no, sir. Mm-hmm. My kid, my kids to this day. Somebody older than them is yes, sir, is no, sir. It's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Right. And knowing my kids, hey, Ocho, my kids, they might curse. Oh, I'm sorry, daddy. I'm still dead. Now I know you grown, but be careful now. Hey, SOB, don't be letting SOBs and mofos coming out your mouth all kind of now. Yeah, my my kids, my kids curse. I know they curse. Obviously, they all goddamn grown, but they have they have yet to curse in front of me. They have yet to curse in front of me. But the, the thing again, again, and knowing Cam like I know Cam. Despite the incident today, despite the disrespect from whatever team he had an issue with, he's still going to put it on. He's still going to continue to have those camps to allow those kids to showcase their talents and be seen, to work on their craft, to get better. Just knowing Cam like I do, he's not going to allow this to bother him. And it, oh, won't, and it won't bother him, but knowing Cam Newton like we know him, he's going to continue to talk trash. Yeah. That's what he's I, done in previous in, in, in previous settings like this, uh, and you have two sides to this, where uh, videos emerged uh, where someone wearing the Top Shelf Performance Team hoodie says something like, I'm going to say it, they can't hide the film now. You're non-throwing ass. Atlanta hero, quarterback, cannot beat me. And that's whenever the fracas uh, went viral. Uh, my favorite part of that audio was uh, four or five times Ocho Cinco trying to get a word in, and every time he thought that Shannon was done, he'd start to talk, and then Shannon would go right back to ranting about it. And here's also the reason why Peyton and Eli don't have a lot of video of guys disrespecting them, because Peyton and Eli treat people with respect. Right. It's a different setup. I, I don't think Archie Manning is getting out of a car talking about how much richer he is than some high school coach and starting a fight with them and provoking them the whole time and talking trash to them. It's a very, very different setup with what Cam Newton is doing. And we've got video of Cam Newton jawing with a high school well, kid. Now, that, that kid needs to be smacked. Yeah, I'm watching that video, and I'm thinking, dude, shut up. 
This is an NFL quarterback Who's you're talking, talking to. trash back to him. Yeah, and then the NFL quarterback is, is saying stuff back, but the, the kids don't need to be going up and talking trash. I get that part of it with Shannon Sharp. And this is two different things. Well, this is back from 2021. Right. Cam Newton is heckled by a, a player at his own camp. You ask. You're a free agent. You're a free agent. I'm rich. You're a free agent. I'm rich. You're about to be poor. I'm rich. You're about to be poor. I'm rich. You're about to be poor. I'm rich. You're a free agent. I'm rich. You're a free agent. I'm rich. He's a free agent. Where's your daddy? Let me talk to your dad. Let me talk to your dad. Where's your dad? You're a free agent. Where's your dad? You're a free agent. You're a free agent. You ask. Talk to. Let me talk. Where's your dad? Where's your pop? You ask. Where's your dad? Now, I'm rich is probably uh, use that uh, use anything but that as a comeback, and that could be just your typical back and forth banter. But the 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 fact is, this is not this is not anything new regarding Cam Newton. He's no, going to it's talk not. And look, and that that kid is annoying. Sure. In, in that video, and should not be talking to but you know anyone the way that he is. But it, Cam what, Newton is the one also how did engaging he get to in that this level, stuff. though. You know exactly what all was said before that. I also will say this: there is a dumbass tax. If you're going to go at Cam Newton and you're going to start talking trash, expect a result similar to what we just saw. How many men were on uh, trying to get after Cam Newton here? It looked while like he's, while two he's wearing or three. a witch's hat. Yeah. And couldn't knock it off his head. <laughs> I know. And he's knocking it off. But Cam Newton's a dumbass, too. Like, I, the whole thing is dumb. I, but, I, I just watch all of this and the, I think there's, there's this one is guy so who's, stupid. Who uh, looks superhuman, though. Oh, of course. If like you're the, go at that. To, I mean, to go physically fight him is is stupid. Yeah. But let's also not let's let's not get away from the Shannon Sharp saying you don't see this happen to Peyton and Eli. Peyton and Eli aren't walking up to kids or right. coaches of youth teams and talking smack about how much money they have and trying to lay bets down because they had the money to lose right. and these guys are all poor. Uh, that's not the trash talk they're going to engage in at these camps. So you don't have kids talking back and, and saying things like that to Peyton and Eli for that very reason. And this was right after... Cam invites some of this, but oh, he, of course, if you're going to run at Cam Newton and try to get in a fight with him, that's going to be the result. So I, I just look at this whole situation and think this, there's a lot of dumbassery going yes. on here with, with Cam... Talking about how rich he is and, and flaunting his money over these guys who don't have any money, like that's cool in some way that he thinks. I don't know the the kid that was talking trash to him in that video from 2021. The whole thing is stupid. And it goes back. I mean, he was doing this in the NFL too. I right. mean, but again, uh, there's one side of this where you can tell just how physically strong the guy is, and you can tell like, well. The guys from Top Shelf Performance didn't look so good. No, it took it took several. No, but it it also. I mean, if was that pulling, kid calling him ass over and over? Uh, I guess that's what he said over and over. <laughs> but again, what what led to that? This is, I know it's not. It, it's talking about disrespect. I mean, it goes both sides here. Um, you mentioned the you can bet on the fact that you know you're gonna get popped if you stand up to some of these players, Chad. Uh, Betting was a topic today on Don't At Me with Dan Dockich, who's had some great guests, some great coaches on his show, and rightfully so. Had Brad Underwood on. And they got off into a discussion about gambling, sports betting apps, and how it is potentially going to ruin college basketball. 
uh, you said something interesting that I did not deal with. Maybe you did. I I don't know as a player and really as a coach, the gambling aspect of it. You've mentioned it twice. Um, are we – there's nothing to be done with that. The money is too big. Illinois has gambling. Indiana has gambling. Ohio has gambling. There's nothing you can do with that, right? How, how much do you talk to players about giving out information or, or involving themselves? I played against Toledo, and I found out later we, – we came back from a 17-point deficit in the second half, found out later one of Toledo's players was throwing the game. He got arrested and went to jail. Uh, Sammy Vajegas, how much do you talk about that stuff? Quite a bit, quite a bit now. Do you? Um, after the, after the incidents that happened, um, I think the Big Ten. I you know I was very proactive in trying to get an injury reports out um, before the game. Now, um, information is of value. Well, you know we're on a college campus, and if you see player A. And he's your leading scorer, and he's walking around campus in a boot, or a teammate tells his dad, "Hey, I don't think I don't think Johnny's playing today because he's you know he 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 you know he hit his head in practice." Well, the dad goes to the coffee pot at at, at his work and says, "Yeah, I talked to my son last night," and now all of a sudden there's you can't you you know in the pro sports you can hide information, and and there but there is a reason they have injury reports. And I think it's it, that's a start for us. Um, I, I, you know, you, you start thinking about all the prop bets, Dan. I mean, there's there'll be a day and a time where conceivably you could have two guys not jump for the jump ball because there's a prop bet on it. <laughs> and, and I think anything anything that challenges the integrity yeah. of competition stinks. And we've had guys that have gotten very, very nasty text messages and so on because they missed a layup that didn't cover a, an over and under or whatever it was. I don't even. And 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 that you can set the stands and bet. And 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 I so I think it's a really a, a big big concern of mine. It has been since the the day I've really gotten the job. And and you know you you. You you can't ever jeopardize the integrity of competition, and if we ever lose that, then then our sport is done. And uh, so we talk about it a great deal, and that's a probably not a very good answer to a to a question that, that deserves a lot more thought and attention. But no. um, it's a bit it's a big part of social media. It's a big part of 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 sport. I mean, what's the biggest weekend of the year in Las Vegas? you know, is, is the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it, it's a real deal and it's accessible. And it's part of what we do. And whether we like it or not, we have to keep trying to educate our players on it. And, uh, uh, so we talk about it a, a, a pretty, pretty good amount here. Chad, first off, I really like him. Brad Underwood, just listening to that answer and interview. Yeah. Um, a couple takeaways though. Uh, don't be so naive that it's just starting to happen. Um, that it wasn't already taking place prior to a sports betting app being available on a college campus or around the state that you may currently reside. Um, he mentions potentially hiding information. It's already been happening, but here's the deal. Vegas already knows. 
Vegas already knows. They're already a play ahead by the time you actually get on your app and want to bet on a prop in-game. And if you want to say, oh, they may throw the game because, you know, you got sports betting going on on the props. Again, uh, that's certainly, I'm not naive enough to think it's not happening now. But what I will say is if they get caught, they'll face the same repercussions that we saw from the previous examples. By the way, Sammy Vajegas, what a name. From uh, in the Toledo game that uh, Dockage pointed out, that was throwing yeah. games or whatever, Sammy Vajegas. But here's it's, the deal: it's the same as uh, what Camilo Vajegas, the the <laughs> golfer back in the day. It's the same uh, Hispanic name where the two L's are pronounced Vajay instead Vajay. of. It looks like Villegas. Yes, but it's Vajegas. Yeah, I, uh, I believe the nasty texts from fans, the the tweets. I'm sure he was also referencing there. Uh, people are idiots. Some fans are idiots. That's not going to stop just because we have all of a sudden you just remove the betting aspect of a game. Uh, just uh, take look at fantasy football, for instance. Delaney Walker, we would once read just hate for him if he didn't have more than whatever the prop was for fantasy football to get a certain player or a certain team owner over the top for, for playoffs late in the season. Um, jeopardize the integrity of the competition. I'm totally with him on this. But the biggest weekend in Vegas, that is the college basketball March Madness, that will continue to be the biggest weekend in Vegas. And it was previous yeah. to all of this. I don't think this has added all that much, uh, uh, as much of a jab or a punch or a death blow to the integrity of the sport or sports in college athletics. If anything, it's just opened everyone's eyes to the fact that, well, maybe the punishments are either too lax or too too much. And all I do is look at Pete Rose in all of this. That's what I think. I don't think of the uh, the, the harsh punishments that should be co- being, you know, rep- just handed out here. I'm looking at the the harshest and how little we discuss that in the grand scheme of things. I don't want to see players throwing games. But when it happens, how, how much these leagues and these conferences and these teams, the links they'll go to protect the quote-unquote integrity of the game, they will then deliver the death blow to said player, coach, or anyone. Just ask Alabama's baseball coach, formerly Alabama's baseball coach. 15-year show cause, I believe, in that. Yeah. And if he's hired, he's gone for, he has to sit at least five years, I believe. Yeah, not happening. And and that's the overall point. Just if you're caught, you're done. And if you're not caught, well, I'm sitting here saying it's definitely happening. And they're walking the tightrope. Well, look, it's uh I, I totally understand a coach hating this, hating sports gambling. Uh, so I am sympathetic sure. to Brad Underwood and every coach. It can't be a comfortable feeling, and they know the the point spreads. In the lines, then it becomes a thing. Oh, you lost this many games as the yeah. favorite, or you did this, and and you're judged based on those point spreads, oftentimes by fans and maybe even by their own administration. So that's part of it that they don't like. And, and of course, any factor that could distract your team, your guys from the ultimate goal of winning, but that also is just something that maybe they wouldn't have to deal with otherwise, yep. you're, you're not going to like it as a coach. So I, I don't disagree with anything he said from a coach's perspective. And obviously, you know, sports are the best meritocracy. And it's what we love in America 
we love a meritocracy where you're good because you're good. And the better players, better coaches survive, and those players and coaches win, and so on and so forth. And you want an even playing field. You want fair competition around. You don't want anyone mucking up the system of integrity in sports. All of that stuff is true. All of that stuff is fair from Brad Underwood. Um, But Hutton's right. It's not going anywhere. It's never gone anywhere. Before sports betting apps on your phone were legal, people were still going to Vegas to bet on the NCAA tournament. That's long been a huge weekend for Vegas sports books. Or your bookie. And it's going to continue to happen. And and that's it's always going to be that way. Now, the injury report part of it, he's right. That should, College yes. sports need a mandatory injury report. They, they do. I'll give you one example right now from another story that we'll tie in from yesterday. Kyle Filipowski supposedly is injured. I, I said on the show yesterday, I don't think he's injured. I, I, think that they're being, I think they're being dramatic about it because he got his leg banged into and he's going to play and he's going to look fine in their next game. Um, John Shire, after the game, said he twisted his ankle that he has a sprained ankle because of it. Comes back in his press conference yesterday and says, it's a knee injury. Then asked if they evaluated the knee. They said, no, they haven't done anything to it. My guess is, as I said yesterday, he's fine, and he's going to play as long as he normally plays against Louisville. Point being, if you are betting on that game, you may have bet Louisville to cover because you don't think Kyle Filipowski's playing. If there's an injury report that you have to be honest about and put out there, that's going to help everyone. It's going to help. Uh, you're going to you're going to put out information that way, so people aren't trying to back channel it and get info in other ways or paying for it or any of that. I, I'm totally with Coach Underwood when it comes to that. The way the NFL does their injury report, college football should do it. College basketball should do it also. I'm I'm all for that part of what he said. Well, consider too. I mean, we all know it's not going away, but also the networks that are broadcasting these games are in partnerships. Or they own their own. ESPN Bet, for instance, with that partnership. And then just turning it over into ESPN Bets. Um, and now you have all the different angles of, of streaming and everything else. Uh, we'll certainly see the aspect of sports betting everywhere. Yeah, and, I, look, and I'll play devil's advocate and say that salary that Brad Underwood's making, I can look it up. Sure, I guarantee it's a lot of money. That salary that he's making and other coaches at, in major college basketball or college football, those aren't going down anytime soon. And a big reason for that is interest in the sport. And interest in the sport could be at an all-time high. Why? Because state after state is legalizing online sports gambling. It helps interest in the sport. 4.2 million. Which helps his $4.2 million salary. That's not going to be going down anytime soon. So it's one hand feeding the other. Obviously, no one wants games to be fixed right. or any of that to go on. But, you know, I, I was watching Lonnie Williams, the coach of the Pistons, uh, get pissed off in a, in a press conference after the game saying, we're, basically, we're getting screwed over and over again by the officials. And it's happened time and time again this year. And he pointed to a play where it was a clear foul. His guy got taken out from the legs, and they end up stealing the ball, going down and winning the game, the, the other team. And he said, it's, it's inexcusable. I mean, go watch that play. It's inexcusable. And the NBA came back and said, yeah, we missed it. The, their pool report after the game from the lead official said, we went back and watched it, and it was an egregious missed call that we didn't blow the whistle on. You don't want people to start thinking like they do in the NBA that the fix is in. You don't want it to go from, man, that ref had a bad night, 
There were way too many fouls on one team and not the other. You don't want to go from that to, oh, the fix is in. And, and that's what Brad Underwood's hinting at yeah. with sports. You don't want that but, to start happening. Of course it, not. But if it does, you go to prison like Donaghy. Yep. Or you, uh, if, if his example, you have two players that just don't jump for the ball. I mean, they would deliver the hammer on those players. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't just be the NCAA, by the way, or whoever's governing. It would be you know, the DA. Yeah, it would, it would be an immediate investigation if something really screwy yes. like that happened and the coaches couldn't explain it because they said, no, we told the guys to go yeah. jump at midcourt the way we do every game. And for whatever reason, neither one of them did it. Yep. Uh, death blow there and uh, certainly one for the NCAA last Friday, Chad. Oh, man. So uh, you live on the air when everything came down. Yep. And you have the judge, uh, Judge Clifton Corker. Still uh, sounds made up. I know. Who rules in favor of the state of Tennessee and Virginia instead of the NCAA for this injunction. And I'm reading through this and I, I'm simply, I think it's pretty simple here. How does the NCAA continue to govern or try to investigate anything moving forward in regards to name image likeness? Because everything's on pause until the conclusion of this, uh, of, of this suit. And they've already lost again. You had uh, the attorney generals from the state of Tennessee, Jonathan Scrimetti and Jason Myares from Virginia. And they gave their reaction to the judge's ruling. Attorney General Scrimetti, I'll start with you on this because you've joined our show before and you had mentioned you're fighting on behalf of student athletes and prospective student athletes in Tennessee. So what does this ruling today, what does this mean for those student athletes and prospective student athletes in the state of Tennessee? This means student athletes can get the best deal out there on NIL. Uh, they're able to talk to collectives before they make a decision. They're able to see what their opportunities are, what their options are, and make an informed choice. And nobody has to. Rules are clear. The rules are if they want to talk to a collective, they can talk to a collective. And Attorney General Miares, um, in the beginning, I think everyone knew, okay, they could see the path and the line as to why Tennessee was getting involved in this, but uh, someone had the question, why Virginia all, also involved in this? What, what drew the state of Virginia into this lawsuit, into this fight on behalf of student athletes? Well, I mean, we have several uh, college athletic programs, obviously in Virginia, but really what this has been is something that's been on my mind back when I was a state legislature. I actually put in legislation to help create what we now know as NIL before it was very well known. And the reality is the NCAA for years, for decades, in my opinion, have been exploiting these student athletes. They signed an $8.8 billion television contract with CBS Sports for just the men's basketball tournament. Students don't seem a dime of that. And whether it is a, a basketball or football stadium or arena that's built in, in Tallahassee or built in Athens or Tuscaloosa, uh, Nate Chapel Hill, the reality is so many student athletes put their blood, sweat, and tears into these programs. And for decades upon decades, they never received a dime. And so, you know, my attitude has always been let these students, if I was a computer science major in college and IBM wanted to reward me for my talents while still a student, everybody else would say, that's great. That's the American way. It's a freedom of contract issue. And, and for us, it's about empowering these students that have built so many of these programs these are billions upon billions of dollars of revenue that's been generated. And so ever since 
uh, NCAA versus Alston, the Supreme Court's indicated that the NCAA is really running afoul uh, of our antitrust laws in the United States. And so we view ourselves as attorney generals as the people's protector. That means also protecting our student athletes. And it's about empowering them. And so we're very, very uh, grateful for the preliminary injunction. Find the full show there, the full interview online, outkick.com slash watch, scroll down and hit hot mic. Chad, a couple of takeaways here. Number one, um, they are, the NCAA is the governing body, and they've just been told you, can, you cannot enforce rules. Uh, and you can't go retro, retroactively. Yeah, on NIL. They on can. NIL, yeah. right. But also, uh, they can't even enforce a rule on Michigan until you go through the, all these appeal process and you go through this long, long deal. But in regards to NIL, the second question I would have from the NCAA, why did you even go down this path right now? Knowing that you were you had a, a punch and a, a, a KO by the Supreme Court in 2021 where you took a step back because you were afraid of lawsuits, and I don't blame you, but why is a governing body knowing that this result was going to happen? Uh, where the judge said in the first ruling, where they didn't... Uh, go through the injunction, they said, but, but if this continues, you're likely to win. What, why continue? Why even start this fight if you know it's going to be a losing battle? Why come back in and act like you're going to retroactively govern when you simply said and stated, go through your conference, go through your school, go through your state laws, peace. It, I mean, it's just idiotic to me. And it just the, it's all, it almost feels like self-sabotage. Yeah, it, it, where, where, it's where a suicide Sankey, mission. Where you have Sankey and uh, Petiti step up, and they're going to eventually form the the rules and lay out some process, or you want to point to the federal government and say, please, please give us some some guardrails here because we can't do anything about it. Yeah, it feels like a suicide mission on the NCAA's behalf. I I, I still do not understand the motivation behind all these investigations, and especially the one into Tennessee after yeah. Tennessee was so cooperative with them on everything else. It, is, it was odd. But the rest of the NCAA membership has Tennessee to thank for defeating yes. the NCAA on this to where they're not going to be bothered anymore by it. Now, Charlie Baker sent out an email to all the membership yesterday off this ruling, and he said, as you may know, we made clear the NCAA fully supports the rights of student-athletes to benefit from exercising their NIL rights, but expressed concern that granting this preliminary injunction would make what is currently a chaotic environment worse. You may have many questions, and we know you need to hear from us, but given the significance and the sweep of this decision, it's critical that our guidance to you and your colleagues on this ruling be accurate. goes on to say, as I said at our convention, What's at stake is too important for any of us to stand by and hope it will just get better. And if we all do our part, get involved, do the work, and play the hand, we can continue to make progress on the large, complicated problems we face. We will be back to you on the ruling shortly. All of that to say, Charlie Baker is saying, we can't do anything. So we know what's going on. We hear you. We're letting you know that we're aware that we've been defeated in court and that Tennessee and Virginia beat us on the issue of NIL, and we have no idea how to proceed. So we all got to get together and come up with guidelines and rules, and I'm going to continue to tell Congress to try to pass laws that will help us out. But in the meantime, hold tight and do nothing, because we legally can't do anything right right now. That's the message from Charlie Baker. You cannot even enforce your own rules. That is the message from Charlie Baker Um, right now. And 
I think what we're going to see, Chad, is this open up the door for the universities, the, the, the programs, to do what they're already doing, but to do it just straight up, where everyone can see, just like players getting paid. Couldn't you just eliminate the middlemen now? The collective itself? If you're going to abide by this ruling, where they, the NCAA cannot enforce their it, own rules anyway. Yeah, that, that is what... name, image, likeness. That is what... Nick Saban in his interview with Chris Lowe hinted at that he wants to see collectives, what is now the collective, basically be a wing of the university so that your player payment structure is in the athletic department. It goes, with the university, it goes through the program. goes through them, and that way you can make a tax-deductible you know, gift, donation. Yeah. You can be a donor back to the athletic department and, and not give it to the collective and it's all going to the players and you know facilities and everything else. But it go. But, but they're, it's all in, control out the same of, they're place. in control of the stream. Correct. They have the they have the ability to turn on and turn off the faucet, and how strong that faucet's going to and be. And they have the ability to decide what market we want to be in for certain players and how no much doubt. someone's worth to us, whether it be a recruit or someone actively on the roster or someone in the transfer portal from another school. So then. What it's all going to lead to is you, every program needs a general manager. They're going to need someone that's an expert in money allocation, and they're going to need someone that's an expert in, in talent development or talent um, going out and getting the talent, yeah. basically. Uh, identifying them, knowing how much it's going to cost to get them, and helping the head coach and his staff go out and acquire talent. And, and talent acquisition is the They are going to for. need talent in regards to lawyers and – agents because they need a collective bargaining agreement that's why the nfl structure is not violating the sherman act yeah because their structure is collectively bargained and but the, the last thing they want is for them to be employees i don't even know that the players want I, to be employees right I, now i don't know how you you can't just you come up with a way to collectively bargain a, an agreement and look at them as employees i mean i, I again like it's to me, it's the only way that you don't end up becoming what the NCAA is right now With, in regards to the Sherman Act. Yeah. I'm at on3.com reading that announcement, and the story below that is that Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart just signed an enormous NIL deal with a private jet company. <laughs> well done. So um, that's just an illustration of, of where we are right now. I wonder if it's the same company. Jackson that Dart Sarkeesian is going to be choosing. darting all over the country in a private jet with Nicholas Ayer because they're one of his sponsors now. So he's, he's the new Caleb Williams. Can't put the toothpaste back in no, the tube. No, no. It's, it's out now. And thanks and to Tennessee, the NCAA is not going to be the one to tell people what happens, how to spend their money. What happens if the money goes through the university, it's funneled through the university, and the players or someone leaks, well, you're getting, we wanted to give you this, but you're actually getting this percentage. You know, we're, again... I, I, there's a lot going on beneath the surface that it's not just all about the players getting paid. There's if that a lot eventually that, there's happens, different groups making money too. If that eventually happens, it would be wise of schools that have a really good, high-functioning collective attached to them yep. if they just take them in-house. That's the wing. Don't try to do it with your own current athletic department. I would just hire the people that have already been doing it. And I'm thinking of... The Grove Collective, I'm thinking Aspire Sports in Knoxville. There are some really good buttoned-up collectives out there. Yes. I, I'm, um, 
I'm hiring them to come in-house if I'm these schools. And, it, and Nick Saban's right. Then you yeah. can just give your check and donation to the University of Alabama Athletic Scholarship Fund, knowing that all of that's also going to trickle down to players and talent acquisition because it's going to be a part of the NIL group. And I think it's kind of already happened. You know, the, the, the collective of the university are working side-by-side. They work side-by-side, side, yes. But isn't this what Texas A&M just tried to do? To funnel through and then you have the – the ticket office or whatever, and then you have the tax-deductible thing? And NCAA said no. No. It was, it was, what, two years ago? Yeah, w- well, it was this past year. I think it was if you With gave a, a donation to the collective, the collective had a deal set up with the university to offer premium seating yes. and some seat upgrades, and that was a no-no because you could not entice people with things given by the university or the, or the program. Yeah, you couldn't go through. The, this was, in fact, going through the university in some way. Right. And now, I mean, it's, again, what, who's going to enforce anything? Well, even talking to our, our you know, we have friends. It's going to be with, two, two guys. We have friends of Spire Sports, yes. and we talk to them. It, it's, I mean, they pay for every ticket they have. They, they get given nothing by the university because of the way the rules are yeah. set up. It's not like they're handed over a suite at Thompson Bowling Arena and say, hey, bring all these guys in. You can entertain them in the suite, and we'll give you all these kickbacks and benefits. It, it doesn't happen that way. Because they're not allowed to be a part of the university in any way, and the university's not allowed to give offerings to them that they can then turn around and give to players or, or prospective players. Coming up, John McClain's going to join us. We dive John. into some of the, uh, the top discussion points of the NFL Combine. Can I ask uh, about Dan Pastorini? We, we know who is going to throw and not throw, and that's why the Senior Bowl is far better uh, for the players that are there, and the Pro Days, for that matter. But did... Ryan Poles, just give away what's going to happen to Justin Fields in a comment at the Combine. That's next on Hot Mike. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine's Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow here at Outkick.com slash watch. Simple to find us, Outkick.com slash watch. Uh, streaming live each and every day, all the shows, programs right here, live at the site. Outkick.com, you click the watch tab. Chad, and then you just hit play. And there we are. And then if you want to watch more, you can scroll over, find the show. On demand, full shows available, outkick.com slash watch. You'll see me and Hutton in our unintentional military-like colors yes. that we're wearing today. We look like yeah. we're on a desert mission hey. somewhere. We what didn't a- even talk about this. We just miraculously hey. have synced up mentally where we're always wearing complimentary colors. And speaking of military, John McClain goes by the general. He does. The general is here. John McClain, who joins us, covered the league for uh, – nearly uh, 50 years now. John, good to see you. Hope things are well. 
I do not go by the general. People call me that. I've never called myself that. Okay. Because it's an insult to generals. Okay. But uh, do you respond? See, you calling me Chadillac is an in- insult yeah. to the Cadillac company, also. <laughs> so. I, actually, Chadillac. Cadillac ought to put Chadillac in a commercial. Chadillac is the greatest nickname I've ever been given. So I, I thank you for that, John. That That's one You're that welcome. has stuck for uh, probably about 17 years now. I think that, that nickname's been around. I, I, I think it's great. Uh, John, did Ryan Poles give away what's going to happen with Justin Fields with his comments, uh, saying it just depends on what opportunities pop up? Asked about if you'd prefer to trade Fields uh, in free agency early in free agency, and he said, quote, I will say this, if we go down that road, I want to do right by Justin as well. No one wants to live in gray. I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either, so we'll gather the information. We'll move as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush, and we'll see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. Is this a foregone conclusion that they're trading It's been a foregone conclusion. We need to hear it from Ryan Pauls to know that he's going to trade him as long as Justin Fields has been there. They have to ask themselves, can we win a Super Bowl with this guy? The answer is no. So he's going to be traded. They're going to get a second-round pick. They'll try to get a first-round pick. They'll probably get a conditional pick. Uh, I would certainly want a conditional pick or two based on what he accomplishes with his new team. Because a lot of people think he's going to be really good. Well, maybe really good's fine, but you know, you got a quarterback. You want to think at some point that guy has some traits yes. to help you reach the Super Bowl, and he's been there long enough to know it. Now, if they keep him and uh, use that pick to trade down a couple of times and stockpile picks, you know, he still got Justin Fields, and everybody says Caleb Williams is can't miss. What if Caleb Williams though wants to play in Washington? And I only throw this out because. He's his father's not afraid to just put stuff out there, right? And I say that if Chicago gets to a point where they've traded fields and you have Drake May potential there, what does that leave them? Well, Chicago's going to draft Caleb Williams. He don't want to play there. That's his problem. He's not playing baseball in the Yankees farm system like John Elway was when he was drafted yeah. by the but, Colts. What about Eli? And he doesn't have uh, Archie Manning running okay. interference for him like uh, uh, Eli did. That's that fair. was all orchestrated by Archie because he didn't want to pl- his son playing for the general manager there, A.J. Smith, who was one of the worst ever. And so Caleb Williams, uh, if he wants to go to Washington, too bad. He's going to play in Chicago. What if they want to trade him? What type of draft pick haul could they receive, John? First of all, they would trade down with number two, Washington. Then they would trade with uh, number three, uh, New England, England, to be able to get the quarterback they wanted to. And then probably they would trade down with Atlanta (laughs) at number eight. So all those three teams would have a top quarterback, and and they would keep Justin Fields. And each of those deals would be a one this year – another high pick this year, a number one next year, and another high pick next year at least, maybe a player thrown in. And if they did it right, they could stockpile picks. I'll give you a great example. In 1983, the Houston Oilers had the second overall pick, and the general manager, Lad Herzig, they needed a bad rebuild. Their number one pick the year before was Mike Munchak. They didn't know if he could play or not. They had a strike. He broke his ankle. They didn't know if he's going to be any good. So they met, they trade down with 
Uh, the Rams, they get Eric Dickerson trade down with Seattle. They get running back Kurt Warner. And the Oilers got stuck with a lineman from USC named Bruce Matthews. <laughs> Turned out he and the Munchak could play. And so they use those all those extra picks to, to draft linemen. Offense and defensive linemen over the next two years, and then they went to the playoffs, a league high seven consecutive years. Never missed a game due to injury. Yeah. Never missed a game due to injury. Held out his first year and uh, missed two weeks, and that was it. Bruce. No big surprise here, John, but Sean Payton sort of tipped his hand, too. Uh, did not write, say, oh, we're going to make this decision the next two weeks on, on Russell Wilson, but he did say and joke that there was some Broncos fan that had a jersey with all eight quarterbacks' names crossed out since Peyton Manning was the starter. And Sean Payton went on to say, our job is to make sure the next guy isn't having his name crossed off of that list, which tells us they're moving on from Russell Wilson. But that begs the question, John, to what exactly if you're the Broncos? Maybe he likes one of these veterans who are out there. Remember when uh, they got Drew Brees, nobody else Wanted him because he had a bad shoulder, and the Chargers GM AJ Smith gave up on him. But they got Philip Rivers in that trade with the uh, Giants, and that worked out well. But uh, uh, Sean Payton may have a quarterback he likes. Maybe it's JJ McCarthy. Maybe Bo Nix. Maybe it's Michael Penix, or maybe he likes one of these guys who's going to be on the market. And Russell Wilson, if you just look at his stats, 28 touchdowns, I think nine interceptions and a rating of 98, you'd think, man, I would would go for that. But Sean Payton has such an ego. He has got to be the star. He wants a guy he can mold. Can't wait to see who it'll be. You mentioned J.J. McCarthy, John. Does he have the most to gain this week at the Combine? It's, I mean, who's throwing, who's not? It's... uh, Caleb Williams is not throwing. Jaden Daniels not throwing. But the, the big names who are, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy. When you look at this list, and it, Drake May was undecided, but it's we'll see. Doesn't McCarthy coming from the offense of Michigan have the most to show and be the buzz coming out of Indianapolis? Absolutely, Jonathan. And I, Drake May is not throwing either. And McCarthy... Because of their running game that they had with Blake Corum, they got 18 guys in Indianapolis. And that's not an all-time record, but, man, that's a lot of players. Shows you why Harbaugh got out of town and went to the Chargers because he knew there was going to be a big drop-off next season. And the way that they played, McCarthy didn't get to throw the ball all over the place like some of these other Quarterback, so the combine is made for a guy like him. Like last year, C.J. Stroud threw. Bryce Young didn't. Stroud lit it up. People started talking about him in positive terms, although I don't know why it took that. Really, everybody's talking about that S2 cognition test. But if you throw at the combine, you don't throw well, you can come back at your pro day, throw well. Come back, private workouts, throw well. But skip the combine. It's not any big deal in the whole scheme of things to hurt a guy, but it certainly helps the guy. It's about the medicals and the interviews, uh, but – it's not even about really the interviews for Sean McVay, another year where he's not even attending the combine. Other coaches are doing that too. Uh, the NFL wants to sell this. They want to push this to other spots around the country. Does it lose a, a bit of its luster if the coaches – it will only grow if these guys continue to have success in the draft, and McVay has done that with third-round picks and beyond. Uh, does it lose the luster of having the combine if the combine isn't actually what it was with – I mean – the Tim Tebow horde 
of media, for instance. That that's not there anymore. Combine's put on to be a television show. Once the NFL Network came to Indianapolis, all of a sudden it ballooned in popularity. And then Paul Tagliabue, the commissioner, put it under the auspices of the commissioner's office, and it just took off. When you don't have your top quarterbacks throwing, and you can't make them throw, but when you don't have them throwing, it loses some, some of its luster. Everybody's out the 40-yard dash, and that's what we all want to see. And it's amazing to me, as soon as the guy runs uh, and uh, – Chad like Withrow runs a 4.28 and everybody 4.28. Well, old Chad like wasn't as fast as everybody thought with her handheld. It was officially electronically timed at 4.39. And so that's still everybody's got that need for speed. It's amazing to me the guys that bench press the most never turn out to do squat in the NFL. I saw a list the other day of all the guys who lifted the most, and I was there for all of them, and I can't remember any of them except this one guy wore a straw cowboy hat uh, from uh, – he was a Samoan, and he wore this straw cowboy hat while he benched 45 pounds, but he couldn't play. That was a problem. And so it, you miss the coaches, I don't know, other than them sitting in the stands and NFL Networks gets to show them, and you'd like to see them at the interviews. Um, I don't blame Kyle Shanahan not going. You can't make the coaches go. And uh, but I do think it's so big they can overcome the loss of not having coaches there. Yep, everyone knows I'm more of a four five, four six guy, John. Come on, but uh, I appreciate that compliment too. And when Hutton says the Tebow horde, I immediately think of the Dothraki horde <laughs> yeah. from Game of Thrones. Yes. when I when I hear oh, that. it was, and so it was that's the record, similar. John, right? One of the worst things I've ever seen, and I was next to the stage with Tebow. I'd gotten there early, and there was a columnist from Oklahoma City in front of Tebow, and he hands Tebow a notepad and a pen. Tebow writes something down, hands it back to him. Media immediately blasted this guy as he got Tebow's autograph. I mean, he was roasted all over the country, and he didn't. Tebow asked him, said, hey, can I borrow your notepad? I need to write something down. And he handed it to him. He wrote it down, tore it off where people couldn't see it, handed it back, and people, media people, at one point this guy stood up in the media room and said, I did not ask him, Tebow, for his autograph. <laughs> There were so many media people that should have been ashamed with the rush to judgment and made them see what players and coaches and general managers and owners go through on a daily basis. That is crazy. So the Vikings have said that they weren't trying to trade Justin Jefferson. But Justin Jefferson wants to know their quarterback plan if he's going to re-sign long-term with the Vikings. What is the best course of action right now for the Vikings? Kirk Cousins... Moving on, we expect, John, what, what, what is next for that organization? Because they have got a generational-type talent at receiver in Justin Jefferson if they can re-sign him. And if you're Justin Jefferson, and of course he's going to re-sign with the Vikings. All this BS coming from players on social media and everything. If you if you keep track of everything and you go back and look, see how much was actually BS, 99%. Justin Jefferson can't go anywhere. Kirk Cousins compiled big stats with him. He doesn't win anything, but he compiles big stats. And I'm guessing Jefferson's all about the stats, and he's worried about work playing with a rookie or some uh, has-been or a never was until they get another guy developed. And it uh, never hurts to ask. Well, that's that's fair. Uh, but, hey, what they're saying right now, 
even if Justin Jefferson is traded, I mean, that's also the lie. He's not going to be traded. Well, Where did that come from? Ask uh, ask A.J. Brown uh, what the Titans were saying this time uh, that year. I mean, it, it's it's always line season. I get it. But who knows who what – I don't – the coaches and the GMs all speaking today, and I guess some tomorrow at the Combine, uh, the, the ability and the art of saying something without saying anything, John, this is the time of year where they do that. Well, or they just blatantly lie. And there's then there's that, a message yes, that's right. their madness. They're trying to send messages to other teams. You know, the Bears have said all along how much they love Justin Fields. I'm sure they do love him. But on the other hand, they're going to trade him. But they want people to think it's a really tough decision. Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, oh, man, it's a hard decision. But we got to do what's best for the franchise. So we're going to go ahead with a generational talent over a young guy who hadn't done squat. And uh, But that's, they should do that because you might get more out of a team. The key for them, of course, they need two or three teams bidding for Fields to drive up the price. We've got two for you on the way out, John. First, uh, are we going to see another big Zoom call with running backs this offseason with Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, <laughs> Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry? Uh, there are others. Austin Eckler. Uh, you can continue to go down this list. They're all going to be pissed off, aren't they? And you got to wonder if their current teams don't want them enough to franchise them, especially with a big increase in the cap, something's wrong with them. People down here, fans, and a lot of members of the media are slobbering all over themselves to get Saquon Barkley. And I'm thinking, well, if they do, he better become really cheap. And there's going to be a lot of these backs who are going to have to take deals that uh, they'll have egg on their face after they take it because they have such high opinion of themselves. Finally, uh, Peter King announces he's retiring after 44 years of of covering the league. Your thoughts on uh, someone you've been in, in meetings with and have been friends with for a long time? 1981, I'm at Riverfront Stadium for the Wallers Bengal games, and the beat guy uh, from the Cincinnati Inquirer, there was an empty seat between us. He goes, leans in, says, Oh, yeah, we got a guy right in the sidebar on the Bengals dressing room, and he's going to talk your head off. And boy, he did. He sat down. He said, hey, I'm Peter King. I said, John McClain. And he talked my head off all right. And about three or four years later, he's working for Newsday. Then he was on Sports Illustrated, fast track to success. Peter, nobody does what Peter did. The trust that he got from NFL people was unparalleled and unprecedented. And I told him, a lot of people are going to come to you about doing stuff now that you've retired from that job. So choose wisely, but enjoy. John, I got one more I'm thinking of here uh, over the weekend. So we're, are you surprised that after one year of all this chatter about Eric Bieniemy, he goes to one team in Washington, and then now he's the offensive coordinator at UCLA and the or an associate head coach. You surprised that it, it took 12 months and that's it? Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I said when he went to Washington, he's going to end up getting fired there because Ron Rivera was going to get fired. Yeah. And he'd been interviewed so many times. The media keeps the enemy alive about being a head coach. They got to accept he's not going to be a head coach. And uh, there was always talking. Andy Reid was going to bring him back. Now he's at UCLA. I think he'll be back in the NFL, but he'll never be a head coach. John, always great to see you. Hope things are guys, well. It's and, my uh, pleasure. We'll Thank you guys very much as always. Don't Thanks, call John. him the general, John McClain. Thanks for my the nickname. The man in too. black. Appreciate it. But today in Navy, John McClain. 
It, great, I, great. It, uh, looked, it looked black, but great, you're right. It is navy. Great thoughts there on uh, Peter King. And, and hey, the running back Zoom call is going to happen again. I miss uh, seeing John at the combine. Yes. Roaming around. Well, Ch- Chad, I've noticed there are a lot of fewer and fewer that go there now. Yeah. Remember what was John's job we talked about where he would introduce? Would he like bring in no, the he prospect? Would, no, he would He would come up with the schedule. Yeah. He would sit there and like make sure that all the players were at the podium. And he's you know one of the guys that are interviewing these guys. It was him, Shereen Williams, uh, John Clayton. Yeah. Yeah, RIP. Uh, several, Lynn Pascarelli. And now it's just, you know, just the, the beat reporters, by and large. They're still, you know, you have the network guys. But, I mean, if you're covering the Los Angeles Rams, you don't need to go. No, not if your coach isn't going to go. And, and there are other coaches who are not going now. Uh, coming up, Charles Barkley. He's concerned with the state of college basketball. He's spitting truth. And which is the truth for LeBron James on Bronny? It's a question we need to ask. That's next on Hot Mike.